This is Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. For you. Uh, this week, once again, we're focusing on the workforce, and our next guest deals exclusively with companies looking to fill seats in the C-suite. Ellen Guarino is back with us, vice, chair- vice chairman at Corn Ferry in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Welcome back. Good afternoon, Carol. Good um, to be here. It's great to have you here. You know, it's interesting. I feel like, you know, we have all these CEOs trotting up to the White House, talking with the president. Uh, when you look at the executive suite, what do you see in terms of trends? Well, in terms of compensation, uh, for for one, if you want to measure, um, I always said if you want to measure what's important to a company, uh, read the proxy and look at their CDNA because it explains exactly what the performance measurements are for the executives. And, and what's important to companies today is obviously high levels of efficiency. There's there's just no room for mistakes. There's no room for a miss. So basically people are trying to get the most that they possibly can get out of a dollar because we have a slow growth environment, right? We have, uh, I guess, global GDP taking out India and China is barely 2%. Sounds like to me you're talking about cost cuts. Well, it's... <laughs> you know, companies, which it's, we've seen a lot of. Yeah, co- cost cutting is one way or increased productivity, meaning that you get as much as more than you used to out of the same dollar you spend. But we're not talking about throwing tons of money at things. So in what ways are they doing this? How is it changing CEO compensation? Well, in terms of CEO compensation, I think the old saying, cash is king, is no longer the case. Uh, at Corn Ferry, our, we, I believe we have one of the most amazing compensation consulting groups in the world, and they do fabulous research, and it's, uh, it's our Hay Group organization. And they just uh, came out with their 2006 comp study, 300 companies looked at the CEOs of those companies. These are companies with more than $9 billion in annual revenue. And we've got the results now analyzed for the first 100 responses. And basically um, what we're seeing is that salary, the good old cash, every two weeks on the payroll is up only 1% year on year. And the uh, annual cash incentive bonus is up only 1.1% for that CEO community. But the... Um, the stock awards, the the payment that's non-cash that they get in equity, is up uh, north of um, north of five and a half percent, and the overall long-term incentive package is up almost seven. So, what the, does that composition of the compensation packages say to you, Alan? What that says to me is that boards realize and executives realize that we can't simply raise pay in a low-growth environment because we want to raise pay. We have to reward for performance that's measurable. So those stock awards are, in some cases, 100% performance-based, meaning we'll give you that compensation uh, as a target for this year, Mm -hmm. but if you don't hit the performance requirements that the company establishes, such as earnings per share, total shareholder return, excuse me, things like that, then uh, you get zero or a fraction of that target award. That's different than just giving you a raise in cash. I mean, uh, when I look at CEO comp packages, I'm seeing things that are not, that are frankly not that tough to achieve. And, I, and I'm seeing rewards that there might be even be restrictions, as you described, but at the end of the year, the board will say, eh, they were close. They did some other things we can't really quantify, so we're giving them 40% or 60% or 120%. 
Yeah, so, you know, Corey, I'm, I'm not exactly sure which ones you're referring to as you get into. How about Hewlett Packard? I'm sorry? Or IBM. Hewlett Packard or IBM are two companies that have done this. Well, you know, the, the old saying is that technically it's very hard, if not today under Sarbanes-Oxley, impossible to move the goalposts. Uh, for example, if you bonus an executive uh, in aggregate more than a million dollars in compensation that falls outside of the performance requirements, it actually triggers an excise tax. And very few boards, if any, that I know recently are willing to do that. So at the end of the day, uh, as you alluded to, sure, they could, I guess, establish low targets. Um, I guess we call that sandbagging, right? Uh, but the fact is I don't think too many boards do that. I think they're very thoughtful about working with management to come up with targets that are reasonably uh, fair. Because don't forget, that target is supposed to motivate management in a direction that they think they can actually be successful at. Mm. If I tell you there's a carrot out there, but you think that carrot is impossible, then the performance uh, – that we're looking for from the compensation scheme isn't actually eliciting the behavior. So, yes, there's always exceptions, but by and large, I think the targets are, are reasonable, uh, meaning that they're fair to shareholders. And, uh, you know, I guess the way to measure it is let's let's look back in a year what percentage did not achieve their bonus targets. That, that would kind of tell us whether there was a lot of sandbagging going on. But I hear, like, kind of, Alan, where, where Corey's coming from, it always astounds us, you know, when we've got, you know, we're looking at some publicly held company and, you know, the numbers are not great in terms of some of their financial performance. And then, you know, you know, Corey loves to read, you know, all those, you know, I'm looking at the, files. I'm looking at the, the proxy from IBM. This is, I don't, I don't mean to pick on Ginny Romney, but Ginny Romney is a company that's, IBM has seen revenue declines going back over many, many, many years. Uh, or net income declines as well, uh, spent billions in acquisitions, and her uh, total comp went from $19 million the year before to $32.5 million last year. So, Corey, I mean, without getting into the IBM data, yeah. uh, there's a lot of things that, that are driving um, things like that. For example, you know, you can be in a company, quite frankly, where a less than horrible decline is actually success. And granted, we, we want growth to be the number one objective. But in some situations, in fairness to market dynamics and various uh, disruption, uh, you may be doing an amazing job in retreat as opposed to uh, on the attack. So in that regard, boards have to make these kinds of qualitative assessments for sure. And the other is that there's a supply and demand issue. At the end of the day, compensation is in some ways also controlled by scarcity. And at some point, uh, they have to replace people that uh, that they don't pay enough to, and, and that's uh, sometimes more expensive than what they were paying previously. All right. I think we have to leave it on that note. Nice to check in with you. Great. Thanks for your stuff. Thank you. Alan Guarino. He's vice chairman at Corn Ferry, joining us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio here in New York City on this Tuesday.